The Bakers of Weber's Bread present your all-star Western theater. Recorded earlier for release at this time. Drifting along, singing a song under a western moon. From Hollywood comes your all-star Western theater, starring America's great Western singers, Foy Willing and the Riders of the Purple Sage, bringing you the music, the stories, and the spirit of the great open spaces. And now, here are the Riders of the Purple Sage. When each new day is born, I go riding Yippee-yay! Over the wide open plains I roam Till the sun to the hills goes a-hiding There'll always be someone glad when I come home Yippee-yay! Yippee-oh! End of day, home we go For a cowboy has to sing And a cowboy has to yell For his heart would break inside of him At the gate of the home corral there's a tired pony glad that it's over There's a song in my heart, so am I For tonight we'll be dreaming of clover And we always will until the day we die Yippee-yay, yippee-oh In the day home we go For a cowboy has to sing And a cowboy has to yell Or his heart will break inside of him At the gate of the home friends. Mighty good to be with you again, bringing you our western stories and songs. And since most folks like a love ballad, including the cowboys who enjoy singing them, we've got one of the same ready for you right now. I'll hold you in my heart till I can hold you in my arms. Please wait 
writers of the Purple Sage really managed to get all the feeling of the Old West in their Western ballads. It's mellow music you can listen to over and over again. You know, Weber's bread is like that, too. The flavor's so good, hundreds of thousands of Southern California housewives buy Weber's bread day after day. That's because you can count on the bread in the blue and white gingham wrapper to be consistently fine, fresh, and tasty. Each loaf is made of choice ingredients, balanced and blended, to bring out all their natural full goodness. Weber's bread is always fine-textured, tender-fresh, and that tender freshness lasts longer, too. So for everyday enjoyment, as well as holiday entertaining, get the bread that's first in flavor, first in freshness, Weber's bread, in the blue and white gingham wrapper. Irving Berlin's contribution to our popular music has been so great that it's well-nigh impossible to select a representative tune from his list of compositions. But among others, there's this one which old and young alike love to hear, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Come on and hear, come on and hear, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Come on and hear, come on and hear, it's the best band in the land. They can play a bugle call like you never heard before. So natural that you won't go to war. It's just the bestest band. What am honey lamb? Come on along, come on along. Let me take you by the hand. To the man, to the man, who's the leader of the band. And if you want to hear that Swanee River play in ragtime, come on here, come on here. Alexander's ragtime band. of the Purple Sage think you'll enjoy, in which they call Hail to the Spirit that Always Wins. The vast stretches of unpopulated land in the West are in themselves vital factors in the forming of character and circumstance which mold the individual. A man who lives alone amid the vastness is liable to become a little strange and be regarded by others as peculiar. And this very space, which slowly works its strange magic on him, will also be the motivating factor in bringing into his little world the egregious individual who will make an otherwise ordinary moment a special event of a man who lives in such vastness and a passerby is the warp and woof of our story today. Boy willing, Al Slowey and Johnny Paul are heading for town, still ten miles away. They'll take care of their errands for the boss, then they'll head back for the ranch tomorrow. Or so they plan. And who knows, their plans might hold. And then again... Sun's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Real hot. Yeah. Yeah. Too doggone hot. Hey. What? That car standing up there ahead, does that look familiar to you guys? I've been watching it, boy, and it looks familiar to me. Sure it does. 
Only I can't think who belongs to it. I don't recognize it. Sure you do, Al. Think a minute. Can't. Sun's too hot. Now, who has the oldest broken-down jalopy west of the Mississippi River? I can't think. Who's the person who'd be most likely parked out here in the middle of nowhere trying to fix the engine with barbed wire he stole off a fence post? I know. Sure. Two-Bed Michelson. Michelson. Of course, Two-Bed Michelson, the peddler. My goodness, I haven't seen him since Heck was a pup. Me neither. And you better pop a little life into your sales resistance, boys. You know how he is. I sure do. Well, he'll try to sell you the warts right off his nose. And if you don't watch out, he'll do it, too. <laughs> you guys keep saying no for me. You know how I am. Okay, Johnny, we'll protect you. Well, the last time I ran into him, he absolutely convinced me that I needed worse than anything else in the world, a five-pound box of lilac bath powder. Sometimes I think he was right. He sees us. He's waving. Well, let's wave back. We're far enough away to risk being polite. Hello there, right, two, two bits. Bits. He's sitting down on the running board to wait for us. Yeah, and you know what he's doing while he's sitting there, don't you? What? Well, he's figuring out what worthless article he has the best chance of... Uh-oh, what did I tell you? Now he's getting one of those beat-up old suitcases out of the back end. No, Two-Bit. What's biting you? I'm just practicing. No, Two-Bit. I can't use it. Tom, you're broke. I'm broke, Two-Bit. Tell him you already have a couple. I already have a couple, Two-Bit. Tell him you'll take a half a dozen. I'll take half a dozen. No! (laughs) (laughs) Better be quiet, boys. We're within hearing distance now. Ain't the boy. Hello, Two-Bit. How fortuitous a meeting. How jolly for us all. Where you been keeping yourself, Two-Bit? Oh, here and there, round about the countryside, pursuing a mission in life. Having some car trouble, Two-Bit? Well, I've had the least little bit of misfortune with my automobile, but I have it fixed with a length of barbed wires from spitting the promise of an extra gallon of gasoline somewhere along the line. (laughs) Hey, Two-Bit, what's that? Uh, What's what, Johnson, my boy? That there. Oh, I'm glad you asked me that question. Oh, here we go. This gorgeous, compelling, eye-catching piece of cloth is one of the most fantastic pieces of merchandise which it has ever been my privilege to offer to the public. What's so wonderful about it? A good question indicating an astute mind, boy. As a piece of cloth, it's nothing more or less than a brightly printed length of goods. But, gentlemen, you are looking at a genuine South Sea Island sarong. Hey, no fooling. This gorgeous piece of material once was wrapped around the dazzling figure of a raven Tahitian beauty who whiled away the moonlight nights leaning languidly against the palm trees and singing softly as the waves gently washed the glittering white sands of the lonely beach. Go ahead, Tubit. Don't stop now. And as the moon rode higher and higher in the star-specked heavens, the lovely girl's loneliness and yearning became almost unbearable. Silently, a pearl-like tear coursed its way down her satin-smooth cheek, past her full red lips, and dropped from her chin onto the timeless sands below. Yeah, yeah. Finally, she arose. Her lovely body undulating as she moved slowly toward the whispering waves, still singing her lonely song as she walked into the moonlight path on the water. Her beauty was reflected a million different times by the water itself as it gently caressed her. Gee. She began to swim. Each motion was a poem. Straight into the moonlit path she swam, farther and farther and farther. Soon she was a part of the sea and the sky and the moonlight too. I found the sarong in the beach where she dropped it. And I'll sell it to you for five bucks. I'll take it. Johnny. Huh? What? Too bad. Why oh. do you make up those fantastic stories? You know you bought that cloth for 20 cents a yard in a department store in Dallas. Johnny, put your money back in your pocket. Yeah. Oh, why don't you let Johnny buy the sarong if he wants it? Sarong? Whom is kidding whom? Boy, you really had me going that too bit. One of the greatest pitches I ever made, Johnny. Too bad your unromantic friends here spoil it. But no hard feelings. Oh, no, no hard feelings. But I don't see for the life of me why you don't get some worthwhile stuff to sell, Two-Bit. Everything I have is worthwhile, boy. Purchases are made for the soul, too, you know. Yeah, but if you'd put your talents to selling real estate or something, you'd make a fortune. But that's not my mission in life. 
My mission is to bring some romance, some joy, some prettiness into the lives of the folks around here. For instance, now, this ostrich feather looks like just an ostrich feather and nothing more. Well, is it? The person who buys this will buy the story that goes along with it. This feather came from the fan that Queen Victoria carried during a ball in Windsor Castle. Oh, too bit for crying out loud. And this little uh, uh, glass chimes here, made personally by an ancient Chinese philosopher of the Far Eastern Orient. He hung it on his porch where the breeze would make the glass tinkle while he sat and thought up wise sayings. And this lovely old beaded Boy, we better get on down the road. We'll end up with a lot of junk we never will use. Yeah, you're right, Al. Oh, I have many more things, boys. But we don't have time to wait, Two-Bit. We'll see you again. Well... Thanks for the story about the sarong, Two-Bit. I sure did enjoy it. Well, that'll be on the house this time, Johnny. Maybe I'll buy something next time I see you. I hope so. Because when you buy from me... You get double your money's worth. Well, so long, Tubit. And if you get a gold tooth from a cannibal, let me know. I've been hunting all over for one. Well, it just so happens that I have one right here in another... Come on, boys, let's ride or I'll end up with that darn gold tooth. Whoa, whoa, boy. Hey, why are we stopping here at Daniel's place, boy? To ask him if we can do anything for him in town. Oh, Daniel? Hey, Daniel! Well, bless my soul. Hello, boy. Hello, Daniel. Well, I do declare to goodness now. It's a lucky thing you boys dropped by like this. We're on our way into town, Daniel, and we wondered if we could bring you anything. Well, sir, now that's real nice of you boys, but I don't believe there's nothing I need at all. Got plenty of grub and everything? I think me and Miss Jezebel has all we need. Mrs. Jezebel? Well, who in the world is that? Why, I'll slow it. You break my heart, son. You forgot my lovely little lady cow? Oh, Jezebel. But you never called her Mrs. before, did you? Well, it's only proper now. We're expecting. Is that right? Yes, indeedy. I think tomorrow sometime there'll be the patter of tiny feet in Miss Jezebel's stall. So that's why it's a lucky thing you boys stopped by. I was going to ride up to your place today and ask you if you'd come by and help me when the time comes. Why, sure, Daniel. We'd be glad to... Wait. We're on our way into town now. We could get back here about dark. Could you put us up for the night? Oh, my, yes. I could surely do that, boy. Okay, then we'll be back. Well, sir, that's fine of you, boys. Oh, incidentally, Daniel. Yes? Two-bit Michelson's headed this way. Two-bit is? Yeah, so hide your money and practice saying no. And you better practice longer than I did, Daniel. He nearly caught me. Two-bit Michelson. My, I surely will enjoy to see him. summer have been kind to you. Oh, two-bit, nothing much happens to me. I just wither up a little more each year, and someday I'll just blow away. (laughs) (laughs) Two-bit, what you got this trip? Oh, pretties, Daniel. I've outdone myself this year. I've got fabulous things from the world over. Show me, two-bit, show me. Yeah, I want to show you this, Daniel. You know, I've been saving this for you especially, because I knew you'd appreciate it. My, my. A beaded lampshade. Direct from the palace of the Maharaja of Hoochie Bakoochie. It fits on the chimney of a kerosene lamp, and it's fireproof. It's lovely, just lovely. The Maharaja received this as a present on his 25th birthday, and he placed it on the table by a window, which overlooked the courtyard, which was paved with solid gold bricks. 
In the courtyard, 42 snake charmers played their plaintive reeds while the cobras danced. And he stood at the window for 12 hours solid while his subjects passed beneath him, waving silver-tipped spears encrusted with diamonds. There was a train of 500 white elephants, each one covered with a blue velvet blanket embroidered with gold thread. The Maharaja received four bushels of diamonds and a half million perfect pearls as big as my thumbnail. But the present he loved most of all, and which he cherished more than all the fabulous gems, was this beaded lampshade. And you know why? Because his mother made it with her own hands. Daniel, it's yours for a dollar and two bits. Two bits? You're a real good friend to save this treasure for me. Oh, I knew you'd appreciate it, Daniel. Show me something else. I have many things, Daniel. Many things. Many, many. It's this here. Mm, well, sir. Now, I'll tell you, that's one of the prettiest pretties I ever did see. What is it? Glass chimes, Daniel. Made personally by an ancient philosopher of the Far Eastern Orient. Oh, tell me about it, two-bit. This ancient man was a great thinker who lived high on a hill in the far eastern Orient. He was the wisest of all wise men, and to him came the crowned heads of all the countries for advice. The kings, the queens, the princes, and the princesses. And this ancient man would sit on his front porch and listen to their problems, and when he had a wise saying to answer them with, he would utter it. But in his silences, while he was thinking up his wise sayings, he noticed that his great visitors fidgeted. So he personally made this glass chime and hung it in the porch where the gentle breeze would make it tinkle. And the sound of the tinkle would calm his nervous visitors while he thought up his wise sayings. My, just think of that. It's yours for six bits. Oh, I'll have to have that two bit. I'll have to take that. Mrs. Jezebel will find them little tinkling sounds soothing to her spirit. Uh, while she thinks up wise thoughts, too. Oh, of course, Daniel. I'll tell you what's what, Two-Bit. You do indeed bring a pretty pack of dreams into a lonely man's life. It's my mission, Daniel, and my pleasure. And now these, these I had in mind for you, too, especially for you. Them little cards? Important cards, Daniel. They're real pretty, ain't they? Very few people know it, but the picture on these cards were painted by a world-famous artist. Look at the line, the color, the texture, the skillful blending. These greeting cards, Daniel, were personally painted by an artist who was a part of the fabulous court of the French monarchs. With the court balls, the painted ladies, the fawning courtiers, they all disgusted him because his painting wasn't making people like you and me happy. So we cast aside the glitter of the fashionable court, went to his garret. What's that? Attic. Oh. He went to his garret and began painting what you see before you. My. He was later hanged for deserting the court, but he left the priceless cards behind him. Cards on which the verses were personally written by William Shakespeare. You don't see. Who else could write such a tender sentiment as this? To you, my dearest daughter, on your graduation day, may heaven always guide you with its brightest, clearest ray. That's lovely. Just lovely. I knew you'd appreciate them, Daniel. Cost six bits. I mean it, boy. If I ever see that two-bit Michelson again, I'm going to kick his britches right up around his ears. Al, for Pete's sake, will you shut up? It's none of your business. And drive those pants. I am. You are not. 
You're giving him a lick and a promise. Well, I'm sore. But it's none of your business. I think it's our business when two bit unloads a lot of worthless junk on a nice old guy like Daniel. Maybe we think it's worthless junk, but Daniel thinks he's bought some fine treasures. Hand me the coffee You're pot. You're closer to it than I am. Fine treasure, my eye. He's got Johnny out there helping him hang those glass chimes that come from the Far Eastern Orient, which is a second-hand shop in Houston, probably. Probably so, but still it's And not... the same with the beaded lampshades. Maharaja's palace, my royal foot. Why, that... Ow, think a minute. We know Two-Bit is a terrible liar. Daniel probably knows it, too. But Two-Bit spends a fine yarn about his goods and to an old man who lives alone like Daniel does. A fine yarn about a beaded lampshade or a few pieces of colored glass may keep him company through many a long evening. But they're so useless. No, they aren't. Well, if they ain't useless, what do you think the greeting cards are? Of all the no-good, why, the man that sold those things ought to be strung up. Greeting cards are for greeting somebody with. Daniel don't know anybody to send him to, and he's stuck with 20 of them pertaining to all occasions. Shh, shh, no, wait a minute. Don't say anything more. Oh, my, oh, my. I tell you, boys, I owe too bit a debt of gratitude. You what? Al. Yes, sir. Miss Jezebel just loves them glass chimes and the little tinkling sounds. Well, that's good, Daniel. I told her the story about the ancient Chinese philosopher, and she understood it all. And I just know she'll think up a lot of wise thoughts like he did. Is she comfortable, Daniel? I don't think it's going to be too long, boy. I think it'll be before morning. Well, it's a good thing we came back tonight, then. Oh, yes. And I was just going to take this box of greeting cards out and read them to her now. Sort of ease her spirit at this time. Now, Miss Jezebel, Johnny and me are going to read you some of these nice greeting cards, ain't we, Johnny? Sure, if you say so, Danny. They're lovely cards. Such pretty little drawings and them sentiments, Miss Jezebel. You you wouldn't hardly think mortal soul could write such beautiful music, uh, words, that is. Uh, now, where'd I put my spec? On your forehead, Daniel. Oh, yeah. Now, now, oh, here's a fine one. Don't you agree holidays are heaven? Merry Christmas. 1927. Mm. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Now, here's another. Dear friend in the hospital, we are thinking of you, your fellow members of the ladies' aid. Look up, cheer up, and never be afraid. Mm. <laughs> See, Johnny? Miss Jezebel understands every word. Daniel, you better call the boys. Mrs. Jezebel's about to become a mother. <laughs> Hey, Al, what's eating him? I don't know, Johnny. Maybe he's wearing his long underwear. The joke's on you, Al. What joke? Yeah, what joke, boy? Well, I'll tell you, Johnny. While you were out in the barn with Daniel last night, while we were doing the dishes, Al got real burned up. And rightly so, dog. Wait a minute, Al. You see, Johnny, Al said that everything two-bit sold to Daniel was absolutely worthless. It is. Especially the greeting cards. Especially the greeting cards. Al said they weren't worth a hoop and a holler, and Daniel never had any use for them. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, what's the funny part? Yeah, what's the funny? Daniel never will have any use for him. You guys didn't see what Daniel did this morning, did you? Why? He went thumbing through those cards until he found the one he wanted. Then he put it in an envelope and wrote Mrs. Jezebel's name on it, took it out and read it to her, and then tacked it up on the wall where she could see it. What did it say? And what's so wonderful about that? Nothing, except that if Daniel had ridden all the way to Houston, he couldn't have found a more appropriate card. What did it say, boy? It said, and I quote... Hail to the spirit that always wins. Congratulations on your twins.
it looks like old Daniel didn't get such a bad bargain after all. But those were the days of let the buyer beware, and you had to be a pretty good trader to come out even. Mighty different from today, when you can pick up a loaf of Weber's bread in its distinctive blue and white wrapper and know it's going to be good. Yes, every loaf of Weber's bread is good bread. Always fresh, always tasty, always tender. There's only one thing you have to worry about. Be sure to get to the market early. The way women have been snatching up those tender, fresh loaves of Weber's, they may be out of the size you want. And those rich-flavored, fine-textured slices are just the right accompaniment to your Thanksgiving turkey. Everybody likes Weber's bread, the loaf in the blue and white Czech gingham wrapper. Great songs which have been given special treatment by the riders of the Purple Sage have the distinction of being done in this featured spot on your all-star Western theater. Today's choice, a folk song, Kentucky. Johnny Paul and Scotty Harrell, the writers of the Purple Sage, 
saying so long and the best of luck to all of you. Drifting along, singing a song under a western moon. From Hollywood, you've heard your all-star Western Theater, a B.M. Bear production starring America's great Western singers, Boy Willing and the Riders of the Purple Sage. The script was written and directed by Scott Farnworth. This is Terry O'Sullivan speaking. The All-Star Western Theater was recorded earlier and came to you from Columbia Square. This is KNX in Los Angeles. 25 seconds until 7 p.m. B-U-L-O-V-A, Bulova Watch Time. <laughs>